You're listening to episode 11 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara, he's Alex, and Adam Wainwright is, well, no one really quite knows. What is up, Cardinals fans? Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. And it's been a week. Not much has changed since the last time we talked. Um, but Alex, I have to ask, before we go any further, you shared on, on Twitter that you had a, a bit of a sledding incident. I just want to make sure that everyone's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, involved in an honest-to-goodness uh, sledding uh, accident um, <laughs> where three-fourths of my family was on. Uh, we were on like a... Uh, I guess it depends on which part of the country you come from. Uh, I come from the part of the country where we call it a toboggan. Um, and there was like this small cinder block wall uh, covered in snow. Why, why there's a cinder block wall there, I can't even tell you. Um, we knew it was there uh, or we knew there was some sort of hindrance or thing we wanted to avoid that was there. I'm not sure if I knew at the time it was a cinder block wall. Um, it was covered in snow and we veered off course and went right for it and bodies were flying everywhere. Uh, and, uh, but I'm okay. Some bumps and bruises. Uh, my wife took the brunt of it. <laughs> she has a really huge bruise on her leg. Um, but we were all okay. Luckily our three-year-old was, um, spooked, but he's, uh, fine. Um, although he might never get on a sled again. Uh, well, glad to hear that everyone's all right. Yeah. Uh, I think the moral of the story is we're we're done with winter. <laughs> um, but as for baseball, we're still waiting for that to sort itself out. We're about a month now out from spring training. And unless the Cardinals front office is planning to shock the world by doing something super late in the winter, they appear mostly satisfied with the additions that they've made so far, which doesn't include Dallas Keuchel, at least not yet, and probably not at all. We talked a little yeah, bit about that we, that last week. Um, many of you noticed in that conversation that we sort of glossed over the elephant in the room that is Adam Wainwright. And you're right, we did. <laughs> But we're here to talk about that now. And, you know, last week, Alex, I felt like our conversation was more about uh, sort of what we expect the Cardinals front office to do because of the pieces that they have in place. Not necessarily what we would do if they handed us the the keys to the kingdom, as it were. But even then, if if we had that chance, we'd still have to figure out what to do with Wainwright. So there are a lot of questions to be answered about this pitching staff as a whole. But for me, and I don't know how you feel about it, Alex, but Adam Wainwright kind of feels like the the biggest wild card of this whole mix. Yes, I, I think you could maybe make a case that the um, entire uh, purported uh, starting pitchers are wild cards, but for Michaelis. But yeah, Wainwright, um, I mean, you could almost come from it in the opposite direction and say he's not a wild card because I don't expect anything from him. Mm. Uh, I, I think that's how a, uh, a a more cynical or realist or whatever you want to call it. I think that's uh, one perspective a person could have versus say someone like Carlos Martinez who was injured la- who was injured for part of the season uh, last year, or Jack Flaherty who is um, you know just coming into his second year in the in the bigs. But 
I think I said last week if you could get 300 combined innings out of Adam Wainwright and Michael Waka, that would be a dream. Um, and and I still kind of stand by that. I, I think the, most of the projections show that he's uh, Wainwright, that is, in line to throw about 100 innings um, and be pretty much what he has been the last you know couple years, which you know would be expected, I guess, of someone who's going to be turning 38 at some point this season. So. I don't know what to expect from him. Um, I'm when we talked last week, we talked about like, well, if D- Dallas Keuchel were somehow to be signed by the team, who would be the odd man out? And I said Michael Waka, just because I feel like if Adam Wainwright is on the team, he's a starter. Uh, mm-hmm. When we discussed it the next day on Twitter, um, someone pointed out that the idea of Waka being the odd man out is ludicrous because he has virtually no trade value, and and I agree with that. Um, but I just. In my head, when I think of Adam Wainwright, I, I don't, I just don't see him on this roster, but for as a starter, or at least as starting the season as anything but a starter. Uh, Shoptaw, I, I think, in our discussion on Twitter, kind of said, "Well, no, I think um, either there are rumblings at the time, you know, the of the one year contract extension was signed, or something Wainwright said that indicated maybe he'd be." Um, not against the idea of going to the bullpen, so who knows? I mean, am I wrong in saying, like, I just don't see any scenario where he starts a season as anything but, you know, whether it's a fifth starter, four starter, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, for me, every time people have asked me what I expect of Wainwright this year, I, I sort of start with this caveat of, well, we don't really know if he's healthy. And and for me, everything else that we might say about what Adam Wainwright can or cannot be is about whether or not he's healthy. And it's so hard to get a gauge on that without seeing him pitch, right? We saw him at the end of last year, and it looked like there was still enough left in the tank that maybe there was something there for Adam Wainwright. And I, I still believe that... I know that people don't like to talk about it, especially when you can look at stats that that may show that, um, you know, Austin Gomber or or John Gant or Daniel Ponce de Leon has better numbers uh, as far as their peripherals go that would make them a better option in the starting rotation. I still feel like there's some value in the experience and in some of the the intangibles that Adam Wainwright has, as much as that's not a popular thing to say in, in sort of baseball analysis right now. So to me, if he's healthy, he's going into spring training as a starter. And if he leaves spring training healthy, he's going to be a starter for this team, at least to start with. Um, and that's why in my head, when I, I try to figure out a way that the Cardinals would make sense of adding Dallas Keuchel, you know, the, I don't think they're going to take away Adam Wainwright's chance at a starting spot before they actually give him a chance at a starting spot. So that's where sort of that um, mindset comes with from for me is that if he's healthy, he's going to be a starter for this team as long as he can possibly be a starter for this team. And I think there's value in that. I know a lot of people would argue against that, and we can talk about that as we go along. But I think there's value in Adam Wainwright in the starting rotation. The question for me has been and continues to be and will be all the way through spring training is how healthy is Adam Wainwright really? Because he's the guy that always comes into spring training saying, no, 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 no. I figured out what the problem was last year. This time, this time I'm really healthy. And if you read anything in the last week or so, 
that's exactly what Wayno is saying right now is that, you know, I, I didn't feel great last year. I haven't felt great for the last several years. And and even though, you know, he came into spring last year talking about how how great his body felt, there was still this thing with the elbow and there was still uh, the matter of that impacting the way that he could train and the way that he could prepare. Um, I was reading today that that he he lost a bunch of weight going into the season last year because of what they were trying to do to combat the the inflammation, just changing the way that he was eating and the things that he was putting into his body. But he couldn't compensate that with his usual workouts that gave him that upper body strength because of the problem with the elbow. So all of that combined, you read it into it and think, oh, okay, maybe Adam actually is healthy now. But we've heard that before, Alex, and it's hard for me to get really excited about the possibility of a healthy Adam Wainwright when we we keep hearing that. And then what we keep seeing is he may in fact be healthy for a moment or for, you know, three or four or five or six starts. But then when he breaks down, it doesn't go from 100 to 80%. It goes from 100 to 40% real fast. Yeah, well, let's talk about his last four or five starts last season. Because, um, you know, I, I think he had a pretty big gap from May until September when he was injured, mm-hmm. right? And then he came back and he, I, I think it was four starts. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because I've heard a lot of people say kind of like, uh, you know, if he's that guy, then, you know, this is a, this is a, a great deal in terms of bringing him back. And And let me say that I think there was absolutely nothing to lose by signing him to a the one-year contract. Uh, I was all for it, and I still am. What I think is tough to determine is who exactly was that guy <laughs> those last four starts because, one, you know, obviously, you know, 20 to 25 innings pitch, so we're not talking about, like, a huge sample to look at. But he his ERA, you know, a lot of – most people just remember that game with the Dodgers. Um, but in, in the other three starts, he wasn't he wasn't awful, but he wasn't great either. Um but his one thing that was kind of promising is he was striking out a lot of batters. And um, more importantly, at least to me, he wasn't walking very many mm-hmm. people as he has been, um, at least um, by his standards, um, the last couple of seasons. But at the same time, if I recall, he was still, when the other team was getting the bat on the ball, they were hitting him pretty hard. Yep. So I still don't know exactly who kind of he was those last, uh, you know, the last couple of starts. I know he was throwing a ton of curveballs. You know, he's not relying as much on the fastball quite as he used to. And he's definitely throwing, um, you know, maybe the curve a bit, bo- a bit more, which is, you know, not uncommon for a, for a pitcher who's, you know, now 36. Oh, I guess he was 37 last year. You know, he was making those starts. He'll be 38. I think his birthday's like in July or August or something. Um, so yeah, and I guess that goes back to your original point in that he's kind of a question mark, and and I agree with that. Um, I think a lot of teams would be pretty satisfied having um, him as, you know, I think what we can suspect is the fifth starter. Um, so you know, this is not by any means a disaster having him in the, uh, you know, in the rotation. I, I think it's actually, as I said last week, this is probably one of the. Um, stronger rotations in the league i don't think it's like the you know i don't think this is an elite rotation but i don't think it's uh by any means like a bad rotation either um but yeah i it, it's been hard to get a read on the guy ever since the achilles injury honestly um yeah. and i always and i've written this before i always wonder if 
and, and I would probably err on the side of that Achilles injury really did kind of alter the trajectory of his career and that it didn't just happen to coincide with father time, you know, as he was sitting out that 2015 season, his arm just kind of, or whatever, just kind of got bad. No, I think that Achilles, um, and I, I say this without any expertise or whatsoever of what, <laughs> in a, of what a torn Achilles would have to, would, um, how much that would impact your pitching, um, you know, a, a year later after it happens or whatnot, after it's healed, but he really hasn't been the same guy. Yeah, no, he he certainly hasn't. And I think, um, you know, whatever that impact was in the way that he couldn't train or couldn't or or had to compensate, I, I certainly um, would have no issue saying that that has had a lingering impact. I think then when you compound that with the years that he's probably pitched hurt, maybe more than he should have, because all guys do it at that level. Um, you know, you just you just hope that there's a difference between hurt and injured, right? Guys, guys pitch hurt all the time. We, you, do, you hope it doesn't become an an injury that that then costs you time, like it has mm-hmm. with Adam Wainwright. So it's I, you're right. That's why it's hard to get a read on this. I do think it's interesting the way that that contract is structured. That that it's very clear that I mean it's not just incentive driven it's very defined that look if you play this role as a starter great but there's going to be a difference if you make five starts versus making 25 starts but if you're not that guy then here's what it's going to look like if you're a reliever and and there are bonuses based on appearances. And there are also written into that contract specifics about if you finish a game. So it's it's interesting to me that the, the team in structuring that contact, contract has really designed uh, a sort of <laughs> build your own adventure for Adam Wainwright where they don't know what the role is that he could possibly play. They don't know where he fits best into this pitching staff. And there's some belief that he could be effective in any one of those roles, which I think is a really fascinating part of this process in sort of figuring out the best value of Adam Wainwright to the St. Louis Cardinals, which is really part of what he talked about when he came back last season and and what he's talked about since then in that he didn't think he was coming back. He thought that was going to be the end. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, he started to feel like himself again. And um, that sort of changed his thought process. But with the caveat of no one really knows. So it's not as if I don't think it's I don't think it's problematic or or hypercritical for us to sit here and talk about, well, I don't know if Adam Wainwright should be a starter or if he should be a reliever, because it's very clear based on that contract that the team doesn't know either. Well, so I feel very silly saying this, um, that I had completely forgotten that the contract, I knew the contract was very incentive I had to look it up. So Okay. I had <laughs> forgotten, or maybe I didn't even know, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I had forgotten that there were incentives built in based on him being a reliever. Because mm-hmm. uh, that is interesting. And maybe that's what uh, Shata was talking about when, when he chimed in that, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he, he will come out of the pen. To be clear, Wainwright has, has been very adamant that I'm a starter. I want to be a starter. I'm preparing yeah. as a starter. Yeah. As I think most people would be right. in his position. You know, he's had a great career and he's a very proud baseball player. As you have to be to, to be 
successful at that level, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think what I would, uh, I don't want to say nightmare scenario, that's kind of a little dramatic, but where I think the front office could look pretty silly here is if the season gets underway and after two starts, it's clear that, you know, he's just kind of barely surviving out there. And they either like move him to the bullpen or do kind of one of these like, well, he's injured, but, you know, not really injured. He's really just going to go down to wherever to see if we can get something figured out here. Um, all the meanwhile, this whole offseason, they could have, you know, at least offered Dallas Keuchel a contract, you know, or something like that. And, you know, and that would, uh, as we talked last week, that would really bolster the rotation. Um, so my only hope is that the front office because of how much respect they have for Adam Wainwright and, and they know how much the fans love Adam Wainwright. I, I love Adam Wainwright. Um, if, if he's not my favorite player of this kind of era, he's, he's certainly close. Um, my only hope is that didn't influence their, their thinking too much this off season or isn't influencing it still. Yeah. So my thought on that is sort of, twofold. The first is that I guess sort of the glass half full perspective is that, look, Adam Wainwright makes them deeper, either in the rotation or in the bullpen, because if he's your fifth starter, then you have a guy like Austin Gomber or John Gant, who could be in your bullpen and and provide you some very valuable high leverage relief innings there. If Adam Wainwright is in the bullpen, then it gives you a guy that you know even when he's maybe not at his best, can go two innings, three if necessary, and be effective in in doing so. I mean, what we saw from him last year in the stretch at the end of the season gave a lot of people room to believe that Adam Wainwright, the, the reliever, could be extremely effective because it was really, you know, that that first couple of innings where he would be kind of classic Wainwright. And then as he got a little more tired, it, it would, it would, the effectiveness would go away a bit. So, you know, if you get two innings out of Wainwright and relief, maybe that's the most effective way to, to use his skill set to create depth. I think the glass half empty perspective is sort of what you were talking about in that it's Adam Wainwright, you know, are we going to play the nostalgia game and give him a role when, when he hasn't necessarily earned it based on his performance on the field now just because he's Adam Wainwright and that's I think the fear that a lot of people have the thing I would say about that is that we're not talking about Mike Matheny anymore <laughs> we're talking about uh -huh. Mike Schilt so I'm not I'm not super concerned about the the nostalgia factor playing in too much where Mike Schilt is involved um, but I do think you know when you look at this offseason not signing a guy like Dallas Keuchel you have to wonder how much of this process with the front office includes some sort of insistence on Adam Wainwright, the starter, without perhaps the the merit to to back that up at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. I certainly hope the front office um, manager or whoever you want to, I, I guess, um, lay the responsibility on that the minute we have an indication of, okay, this is what we have here, that they act. Um, um, meaning it, the minute it just doesn't look like Wainwright is going to be able to be a starter, that they they make him no longer a starter. Um, I also hope that, and I think, you know, Wainwright is is no one's idiot. Like he's, he's obviously, right. he's a very smart guy. He's a very good guy. Um, 
but but he's also again as i said earlier he's he's a proud person as he should be um so i don't want them waiting around for him to say you know i don't think i'm a starter anymore yeah. um and in spite of you know what i just said about him you know being very proud you know he sees himself as a starter he's also at least in my eyes and not that i have like a you know, I'm certainly on the outside looking in on situations like this. He seems, uh, above all else, to be a, like a wonderful teammate, and has always right. been a wonderful teammate. Whether it's sticking up for other other teammates or whatnot, I don't see him. If told, you know, you are not going to be in the rotation any longer. We're going to use you where we where we think you can most help our team. I don't see him being anything other than positive. Absolutely. Um, at least on the, you know, on the inside, if, you know, he's steaming and thinking like, I, you know, <laughs> I, sh- I should absolutely be out there. And I don't even really see that. I, I really don't see him causing any problems because I, that just, to me, does not fit his personality. Yeah, that's, so, not, that's not who Adam Wiener has ever been. Right. So I really want, as you said, like, you know, Matheny's not there any longer. This is a whole new regime. Like, and this could be like a pretty big statement on like, I think Schilt's resume of like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm. I'm the leader, I'm the manager, and, and you know, no one loves Adam Wainwright more than I do. Um, but the minute I don't think he can be a starter anymore, he won't be a starter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say this to Adam Wainwright's, uh, to the, the, the proud pitcher factor. Uh, in that interview with Brian Stahl, he made very clear that he needs at least enough starts with Molina behind the plate for the two of them to pass uh, – Glavin and Lopez on the all-time list. I believe it's uh, five right. that they need to, uh, to tie. Five starts with that battery okay. to uh, to tie um, the it. aforementioned duo on the see, list. See, I wish you hadn't said that because now I'm going to be cheering for that. Right? Even, even, even if... Even <laughs> Just if, give like, him one I'm, more start. <laughs> right, right. Even if, I, even if it's not going well, I'm going to want... I'm going to want that to happen. So, but that's an interesting that's an interesting part of this, and I want to talk about this before we move on from Adam Wainwright as we get closer to the season, because I think there are a lot of people, and I don't I don't really know why this is, because t- similar to what you said, like Adam Wainwright's my guy, <laughs> and he has been for you know the majority of my life as a Cardinals fan. Um, so I I have this great appreciation for Adam Wainwright and for his career, even though we're on, you know, that downward side of it, right? I can, I can separate the two and say, look, Adam Wainwright is this legend in Cardinals history, even if he's not that right now. I feel like there's, there's a lot of criticism of Adam Wainwright. There are a lot of people that I feel like don't, don't appreciate the career that he has had. So I guess where I'm going with this is sort of where does Adam Wainwright rightfully belong when we're talking about Cardinals history, even though, you know, it's not, it's not history for him yet. <laughs> right. Uh, so f- first things first, what you just said, that drives me up the wall, the way some people talk about Wainwright, like even the, um, I, I don't remember who it was, but the person who chimed in with the Waka comment on Twitter and, and his point was well taken and correct, but like he took a shot at Wainwright and I'm yeah. just like, you know, I'm not here for that. All right. Like it wasn't <laughs> unnecessary. It was, yeah. It was very unnecessary. Um, but to answer your question, it's a tough call. Like obviously like I'm, I'm removing people like Dizzy Dean from the equation because you know, that was so long ago and such like a different era. And like, I really think if if he's not the second most important starting pitcher the Cardinals have had, at least in the modern era, um, 
at least since you know baseball um you know is integrated i i would have to say he's close uh you know he's had an interesting career because it got off to that such a cool start with him closing out not only the world series but also the nlcs that year um and then he turned in you know the very next season i was like oh this guy's a pretty good starting pitcher and then come 2009 i was like oh wait this guy's like a a bona fide ace (laughs) wait a second (laughs) yeah yeah bona fide ace and then you know he has the tommy john miss of 2011 which really was a shame um i really feel like he should be a he should have been a part of that uh Mm -hmm. such a crazy magical run in 2011 um he comes back in 2012 and is good, but wasn't quite what he had been. And I was kind of worried, like, you know, you know, he just might not come back from this. But he, t- but he totally did. Like in 2013, 2014, he was once again, um, you know, I know p- people's definitions of ace, you know, vary from who you talk to. But he was one of the best pitchers in the National League. Um, yeah. You know, he wasn't Clayton Kershaw. But he was in that next tier. Uh, in 2015, he was right there again for whatever. How many, I, I, in fact, I, I believe he was even better than he had been the previous two years for the, whatever, like, 30 innings he threw before he got hurt. Oh, he was um, so good that year. Yeah, and that's why so it, was, it was good. such a shame. Uh, that season still gives me just nightmares because he was, he was so good that year before the injury. It was ridiculous. So... He's had such a great career as a starter the whole time in St. Louis. Um, I really think, in my opinion, um, you know, you got Chris Carpenter. I'm trying to think who else. I, I, you know, I really think he's like second to Bob Gibson. Um, yeah. Or at least in the conversation in terms of best starting pitchers. It's interesting if you look at uh, sort of the best all-time stats lists it's one of those things for me where I wonder almost what could have been if those mm-hmm. injuries hadn't happened, mm-hmm. because even with all of those things, he's he's right at the top. He's in, you know, like top five, top six all time in, in a lot of these lists. And that's with multiple completely lost seasons. And it's 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 incredible that the effectiveness that he's had, especially when you see the way that a lot of people talk about him now and you kind of forget how good he was all those years. Yeah. And last thing I'll say about him, and this is another thing that I think people very wrongly criticize him for, is that he has also been an excellent postseason pitcher. Um, hmm. Until that start in game five of the 2012 NLDS against the Nats, when he gave up like six runs in yeah. what, two or three innings, he had not had a bad start in the postseason. Um, and, and he's had several really good starts since then. I, I mostly think of game five of the 2013 uh, NLDS against the Pirates. Uh, pitch, a, pitch a complete game. Uh, and I feel as though some of the same fans that you are talking about earlier only remember some of his um, not as great starts. <laughs> um, whether it's that game I just mentioned or you know him and Yachty staring at each other as that ball fell <laughs> between them um, in game one <laughs> oh, against the yes. Red Sox. What a nightmare that was. Uh, but no, he's been a great regular season pitcher and a great postseason pitcher. Um, and obviously the dream of everyone would be that he like, you know, pitches 175, 200 innings, and is like a, you know, just a really good starting pitcher. But I think a more realistic thing that would be kind of cool is if uh, maybe he did go back to the bullpen and he closed out like a really important game. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm not going to say close out the World Series. That's kind of setting too lofty of dreams. But even if he like, if he closed out a game late in the season that really mattered or 
geez, I, I will dream a little bit, close out, you know, a, a game to either like clinch a wild card berth or clinch a division. Like that would be really, really awesome to kind of see his career come full circle like that. I mean, that it just like you, you write movie scripts about stuff like that. So I, you're right. We may be setting far too lofty expectations because he has to actually get past spring training healthy before any of this becomes uh, a real possibility. But I did want to close with this because I looked up the article written, I believe by Bernie Miklas, talking about the trade that brought Adam Wainwright to St. Louis in Mm -hmm. 2003. And I found this little note. It's funny because the most of the content of this this story was about the other pieces of the trade. Then there was this one little paragraph about Adam Wainwright <laughs> that says, Wainwright is a legitimately bright prospect and a potential steal for the Cardinals. But if Duncan and Larusa are around beyond the 2004 season, it may not matter because they can't develop young pitchers. Perhaps young Wainwright will be nurtured and saved by the next regime. <laughs> I found that very interesting. Uh, and it's fun to look back and and see what we thought might happen or what someone thought might happen compared to the reality of it. <laughs> well, th- something else I just thought of um, based on what you said earlier and another reminder of why we should really appreciate what we have now is that talking about that, you know, the Wainwright, Molina kind of battery mate thing, it if that were to start with, say, a new pitcher this season, a new pitcher and catcher this season, um, t- to to reach in terms of the, the amount of years where Wainwright and Yachty are right now, that would take us to the year 2033. <laughs> Which is insane. If gives, yeah, if that gives you an idea of, of how long they've been together and how uncommon that is in baseball. Yeah, well, it's been quite the career and, and perhaps one that, like it – always seems to happen at the end of someone's career maybe isn't appreciated entirely until it's over. And then everyone starts looking back and going, Oh, Oh no, he was, he was pretty good at this, at this pitching mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, guys are just ask Matt holiday what it's like to not be appreciated until you're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be fascinating to watch what Adam Wainwright does this year. And I still think, you know, he's, with the possible exception of Alex Reyes, um, the biggest single wild card out of the the pitching puzzle for the Cardinals this year. So uh, feel free to chime in on what you think about Adam Wainwright. Feel free to not take unnecessary shots at Adam Wainwright because that's we just don't need any of that. We're not here um, for that. We're yeah. not we're not here for that. Alex, as we always close the show with a chirp of the week. What do you have for us? Okay, so. This week, uh, Kyler Murray's been in the news. Um, Has he? he? I haven't heard anything. Yeah, <laughs> he, he uh, for for all of you who don't know, I, that's probably very few of you, but he is the Heisman winning quarterback from Oklahoma who uh, was also drafted by the Oakland A's. But he declared that he was um, going to enter the NFL draft. Um, whether that shuts the door on his baseball career, uh, I think that Remains to be seen, and that's too early to say so far. Um, but I actually kind of liked it because it kind of embarrassed baseball in an area where I think baseball deserved to be embarrassed. <laughs> you know, um, he kind of basically said, uh, you know, no, I'm going to go play this sport that's more dangerous and where careers don't last as long um, because um, – and he's not saying this. This is me kind of projecting this onto him. But 
you know, rather than this other sport where, you know, I might not become a free agent until um, after my 30s. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you remember this, Tara, but the night he won the Heisman, at least I believe it was that evening, Major League Baseball sent out this tweet um, and it said, do you have a favorite? Um, and it showed Bo Jackson, uh, Tim Tebow, uh, Deion Sanders, and Murray, um, meaning a favor of the two sport athletes, the guys who have played both uh, football and baseball. And there was sort of this immediate backlash, at least among uh, Cardinals Twitter and, and kind of even beyond that of people were like, whoa, you guys have totally overlooked Brian Jordan. Um, <laughs> now, to be fair, they didn't say, who do you think is the best? They said, do you have a favorite? And whether we like it or not, like Tim Tebow is more famous than Brian Jordan. Um, especially right now, since, you know, Jordan hasn't been in the league, league for a while. Um, (laughs) I think, I think most Twitter (laughs) users are probably going to be limited in the range of their, uh, their recent memory, right? (laughs) Right. So I totally understood what, what the tweet meant and where it was coming from, but Brian Jordan absolutely should not be overlooked, um, in this area at all, because you can make the case that he had the best baseball and football career, um, of of any well not i not he definitely didn't have a better football career than Deion sanders but he had a better or bo jackson probably for that matter but he had a better baseball career arguably than than any of them um, probably due to bo jackson's injury uh he's from the baltimore area went to university of richmond where he obviously played both uh, football and baseball drafted in baseball in 88 drafted in football in 89 um and then after a few years with the falcons and it was even like an alternate on a pro bowl team he decided you know what i'm gonna go ahead and sign a contract with the cardinals and he was able to leverage the nfl against the cardinals kind of similar to what murray did this week and got a pretty nice contract with the cardinals um and he had a good career with the cardinals he was with the cardinals from 92 to 98 and Unfortunately, similar to Ray Lankford, his best season with the Cardinals was in 1998. But of course, no one noticed because he wasn't the one hitting 70 home <laughs> runs. But he had a very Weird. good season nonetheless. Uh, but what, what I want to quickly mention here is that last week I talked about the 2013 uh, team. And one thing we all remember about that team was how crazy good they were uh, hitting with runners in scoring position, mm. uh, Alan Craig in particular. Well, Brian Jordan maybe should have been on um, that team, um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, throughout his career, uh, when there were runners on second and third, um, and he had 134 plate appearances um, in this situation, he had a 998 OPS and a 155 OPS+. plus. Um, and this is a guy who I believe was like a 105 OPS plus um, hitter for his career, Um when the bases were loaded, 173 plate appearances, he had an 894 OPS and a 123 OPS plus. Um, so that's what you can say about Brian Jordan. If there were people on base, he was a very good at knocking them in. Um, and so he would have fit in very well with that 2013 team, but he also fit in very well when he played because he was very exciting. Um, and he's been forgotten more than he should. Well, it's always interesting to me to see two-way players um, who stay that way all the way through college and then give themselves, um, as you said, the leverage to kind of play one one sport, one league against the other. Um, we don't see it that often. And it's it's been uh, it's been an enlightening process to see Kyler Murray go through that, especially with the state of baseball as it is right now and all of the all of the voices um, talking about 
particular areas uh, where, where baseball is a little bit broken in the way that it handles these situations. So we'll see what he does. Maybe he'll play, maybe he'll go to the NFL to get his money right away. And then as has happened, <laughs> he'll come back to baseball eventually. We'll see. Uh, but that is your chirp of the week. That is the conclusion of episode 11 of chirps. Make sure that you are following birds on the black on Twitter. You can follow Alex at AlexCard79. I'm at Tara Wellman. Make sure that you are subscribed or following or whatever. Every, uh, every podcast platform does it a little bit differently. So whatever you have to do to make sure that you get the podcast on Wednesdays, do that. You can always join in the conversation with whatever our topic is of the week. This week, of course, Adam Wainwright by tweeting it at us and we love to uh to continue the conversation once you've listened to the show you could also share with a friend i mean that'd be nice of you right um but we will wrap it up for this week alex and i will be back with you next week and hopefully there's something a little more interesting going on in baseball for us to talk about otherwise we might just keep talking about kyler murray because that's interesting right (laughs) but until then i'm tara he's alex we'll talk to you next time